Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech and Soul, I the Tech and Soul podcast. I am Tamika Key. And I am Lynn D. Johnson. Um, and today we are talking about creators and funding creators and sort of the business models that have come and gone, aka the TikTok Creator Fund. Lynn, you sent me this last week. Why did this catch your eye? Why did you why did you want to chat about this on the show? I mean, for me, the main reason I wanted to chat about it is because for years, um, you know, people have talked about how Black creators um, help to build certain social networks like Black Twitter at night, right? Um, uh, Instagram, uh, and that not only not getting credit for the work that they promote, like that how there's no real money for them to make, right? And you know, you and I have talked in the past on the podcast about how there are these agencies that kind of like um front for creators and help them get sponsorships, you know, and they have like these creator houses and things like, especially a lot of them kids that move to California and they all move into a house together, right? Uh and they start <laughs> they start getting sponsorships, things like that. But, you know, I mean, some of the social networks and and the platforms have stuff built built in, but it's not working the way it's supposed to be working. Like, you know, I often hear creators talk about how uh, they're getting demonetized on YouTube because they had a music track playing in the background or something seemed sexual that wasn't right. And so the algorithms flagged mm -hmm for whatever mm -hmm. and then the same thing with Instagram I, I I've seen a lot of people I was following who are like big time on Instagram moving over to and I'll just say it like this is LGBTQ girl I follow easy who's mm -hmm. been around forever she's kind of a comedian mm -hmm. uh, she's back from the vine days I may have mentioned her before um you know she's not posting on Instagram as much as she she used to she's finding more of a home on Snap. You know, she's even used Twitch. Um, she's used, um, what's it, TikTok more now even, right? Um, so I, that that's where I'm coming from it from. I'm thinking from, I'm already in our Black creators lens here of just, you know, people putting out so much content and not getting like shit we might be doing in a minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. People putting out so much content and not reaping the benefits because of how the payment systems are set up, right? It's interesting. So it's it's interesting because it's the, the contrast of how tech was supposed to democratize access to capital for indie creators in theory, but you go back to having these platforms be the gatekeepers. So it's like, it's not the studios anymore. It's not the Hollywood studios. It's not the record labels like we talked about with music, but you still have these kind of gatekeepers or funnels where the money can go through and, and how do they change things? I mean, it's interesting that you talk about that because we, we just talked about this with 
with the podcast ourselves, right? We are like, hey, so you, I'm not sure if you're watching this on YouTube, if you are right now, hello, but um, you could be watching this on YouTube. You could also be listening to this on SoundCloud or Spotify or through the Substack uh, podcast app, but we had to decide where we were going to choose to drive our audience to. And we opted for Substack as opposed to YouTube because Substack gives us the ability to kind of control our connection with this audience, to eventually charge this audience theoretically in a way that YouTube doesn't and in a way that TikTok doesn't, for example. And so, but I think the challenge is people, this the, the creator fund, and I think YouTube had a fund as well. Twitch had a fund. A lot of the platforms have had funds. Didn't Snap have a fund too? I think so. created these funds in a response to audiences saying we're we're not getting compensated for this. You know, it, it's interesting. Um, I'm gonna check this on um on LinkedIn really quickly because somebody just posted um someone just posted a uh Chris Mangle from um from Samba just posted a link to another industry analyst. Do you know Evan Shapiro? No, interesting, I don't. Interesting, interesting guy. But he, you know, so so Chris is, is quoting Evan's latest report, his, his the earnings wrap up of, you know, Q3, the companies in general. Um, according to IPG's Magna Global, four companies will take in a full 66%, 66% of US ad spend, not just digital. You all, 60, two thirds of all US ad spend are going to four companies. Can you guess which ones? That would be Disney. That would be, um, I can't, Viacom. That would be, Hmm, who else? I, I don't know. Tell me. I'm thinking Disney and Viacom because they're just so damn big, right? But maybe I'm wrong. Who are they? Google. Oh. Meta. Yeah. Uh, Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. And TikTok. And TikTok. Yeah, okay. Oh. But look, no, no, no. I should have known that. You didn't think digital. And then, which is interesting that why you went to the sort of big media. Four companies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that comes out in the Jounce report, right? 66% of all U.S. ad spend. But it was 80% before, so at least it's less now. No, I think you're saying, I think it was 80% of digital. Yeah, 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 you're right. This is two-thirds of all ad spend, not just digital. That's crazy. So all, like, literally two-thirds of all money that is spent on advertising in our country goes to these four companies. The connection that I was going to make is, so then you have TikTok and you have IG and you have YouTube controlling all of, or reaping in all of these dollars. Who is getting paid out? The The creators that actually create the content that keep these platforms thriving, they are not. Amazon's probably the only one that of those three companies, Amazon's probably the the only one that is not built off the backs of independent creators. 
built off the backs of independent sellers, which is sellers, which is a whole other story. But independent creators are powering this um, this ad economy, and so so some of the criticisms of the TikTok Creator Fund is that as a fixed amount, it's not it's it's not um, you know congruent to the proportion of ad spend that TikTok is getting. But then you also have people like there are also posts on YouTube where people are like, I got my first YouTube check from hitting the 10,000 subscriber mic or the 10,000 subscriber mark. And it was like $6.33, right? Right, right. So, so at what point does, well, at what do, you know, yeah. How do the, how do the creators of these, what, economies on these platforms get complicated. Well, well TikTok claims it's going to do something better. I'm going to read this really quickly. Yeah, really please fast. do. So the article was out there almost everywhere uh, end of last week, I believe. Yeah, it was yep. the end of last week or this weekend. So I'm Blavity. This is how Blavity. TikTok is shutting down its $2 billion create. $2 billion creative fund, a program designed to help users make money by creating content for the app. Um, the fund aimed to provide money to ambitious creators, right? Through the fund, creators made money based on their shares of platform views, right? Then they also cite a well-known YouTuber and other TikTok creators who said the low income, talked about the low income generated. Um, Green has 8 million followers on TikTok, said that per 1,000 views, he was making roughly 2.5 cents. Right. So this fund is being discontinued, but now they have developed something called the creativity program. program. Yes. Um, so Which theoretically will offer up to 20 times greater earnings potential. Potential. Earn up to 20 times per the amount previously offered. Videos that are eligible for the program must be longer than a minute and earn at least 1000 views and they must abide by the platform's community guidelines. You know why I'm doing this, community guidelines. Um, it's so uh, interesting. Yeah, uh, um, what are community guidelines? And that sounds a lot like what I was talking about, how YouTube has been demonetizing a lot of well-known uh, YouTubers, a lot of really popular YouTubers with like millions of subscribers. Um, interesting, so here's another stat. Um, the, the, the TikTok creator fund, you know, is shutting down, but, um, IG and YouTube actually both overhauled their creator programs as well. Here's this interesting thing with Instagram. Uh, this is a, this is another headline from ZDNet. Shout out to RDB, RD Beatty. It's good reporting, sir. Um, as Instagram hits a million paid subscribers, Meta offers more ways for creators to make money. So what's interesting is the Instagram subscription. So you can subscribe to people on Instagram. That, that was IG's solution. IG's like, listen, you are popular. You got your audience. Let them subscribe to you and we'll take a cut. And so it's interesting that we're starting to see, we're talking about this from the creator perspective. I think we also, you know, there is the segue into the publishing and ad advertising side of things. I mean, it's it's kind of like the indie publishers and how they try to monetize, you know, and how they try to sort of um, 
monetize their own audiences and how they're trying to sort of scrap together first party data to make their audiences valuable. It definitely does seem to be this challenge of advertisers are investing in digital. Advertisers are investing in, they're spending money on TikTok to reach audiences. They're spending money on IG to reach audiences. They're spending so much money on YouTube to reach audiences. But how do you level out the amount that the creators of that content receive? How do you level out the amount that publishers receive in between the buy side and the sell side. It's it's still at the end of this day, right? We, we come back to this, the money gets chopped up into so many pieces that the people that are creating the content ultimately don't, can't sustain themselves. Right. This reminds me of a previous conversation we had, right? We're talking about um, currency and coins, right? Yep. And I think that what's happening here and 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 you said it very well when you talked about how the four players who will be receiving most of the ad spend right they're maintaining the pot for themselves they create these walled gar- gardens um so that they can um they can hold on to this money and it's i mean it it goes to show with meta meta is doing this thing where it's kind of deprioritizing news because you know this whole thing about because news publishers want to get a share of all that ad spend, like media meta, you get all this ad spend. Uh, a lot of content on your platform comes from news media companies, right? And what Meta is saying is, nope, that's so little of our content. Our content is really UGC content. So eh, we don't have to pay y'all. We don't have to strike a deal. Although we know that in Australia, Spain, wherever the other places it happens. Australia is what comes to mind. Yeah. With, there was a with, whole thing with Canada too, right? Oh, Canada. Right, right, right. I think something in Spain too, where these deals were struck. But in the US, they're like deprioritizing publishers. Publishers are always talking to me about how much traffic they used to get from Facebook. And now they're getting none. And especially those without real mobile plays. They were using Facebook as their mobile play. You know what I mean? Um, So it's, again, it's, it's, I don't know. Independents need to find a path that's direct to the brands, which you see with some of the indie creators going directly to brands for sponsorship. The challenge is that the the challenge is the scale piece, right? What comes right. to mind for me when you talk about that is 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 like a platform like a Dan ads or something like that where it's like, you know it's it's allowing the publishers to set up their own kind of self-serve place. Or you know the some of these other companies like um like a TV scientific or a Tatari that are trying to give DTC brands access to TV inventory, right? In a, in a more direct way. I think it's, there's platforms that are still going to allow this to happen, but I think the platforms have to create a way for these indie partners to be, to be a scalable buy for a scalable and a safe buy for advertisers where I thought you were going to go with kind of the, the Facebook and the, the meta and the, the news is kind of, you know, 
how and whether they are trying to um, shield themselves from lawsuits in terms of misinformation and disinformation and that's why they've kind of cut off the fire hose because they're like well we can't we can't verify whether this site is biased or not we can't verify whether this site is is you know they have they have released so many tools lately to be able to um figure that out that i don't think it's the case they just don't want to pay they don't want to pay they're saying interesting but then on the other hand you have they probably don't but i think it's interesting because on the other end of the news spectrum, and I guess we're we're still talking about sort of monetization of content, um, is you have a lot of news companies basically saying all the brand safety platforms are keeping them from getting from earning revenue, and it yes, is about- and it's and it's driving and it's driving down sort of news coverage and the quality of news coverage, particularly in local markets. I don't know. I loved Jezebel. I think I'm sure that there is a bigger story there in terms of, you know, in terms of being demonetized. But I also think the challenges Jezebel is and was of Web 2.0, and we are in sort of the Web 3.0 phase and web Jezebel was a blog. And as we, I think we talked about this last episode, right? Of course we love blogging, but like blogging is not a thing anymore, right? It's make your newsletter, make your website. Like, does anybody even say they have a blog? No, people have newsletters. They have podcasts, right? Um, There are so many podcasts. You can't even consume them all nowadays. And the last note I would say is on Substack, I am sure there are tons of fucking Jezebel-esque. Yeah, and I get that, right? And it's funny because, um, you know, we have this rapper newsletter in this morning. Oh! I put in a little- Oh, the rapper. I thought you were talking about like- Oh, us? Oh, we should have no, our no. newsletter. We I thought were- you meant rapper like rap- Oh, like, rap, like rapping about. Oh, you have a rapper newsletter? No, 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 no. Although I do do spoken word on Exactly. Stage. That's yes, why I was right? like, damn. Okay. But no, uh, Ad Monsters rapper newsletter. You remember that thing. Yeah, the rapper. Um, right. So I put a little post in there about Jezebel, but I didn't even have to talk about it myself because, uh, st- uh, what is this guy's name? This guy who has uh, a newsletter called Media Light, and then Ooh. Brian Brian, um, what is this guy's name? Brian Marcy. And then Brian Marcy's the rebooting. And both of them, their take on the whole Jezebel thing was really interesting to me. And the thing that Brian said is like, yeah, it's a shame. It's terrible. But he kind of was going along the same thinking as you. Like there will be new creators with new models that fit the current open web. So the open web is changing and and publishers just like individual content creators need to catch up to those changes but at the same time he does talk about the systems in place that stop things from happening like your point before brand safety brand suitability just doesn't work for certain types of businesses i and i i am inclined to agree with that i also think that you know the the thing with new models that need to work this this uh you know the guy I, I listen to a lot Simon Owens where he talks about kind of 
how media companies thought, let's say web two, they were going, you take a ton of, actually Brian Morrissey talked about this too, right? You take all of this, the ton of this VC income, you think you can grow massively and then monetize that growth. And it's it's not a thing. And I think we're just like the housing market, just like every other market is kind of hitting a correction. I think that's what's happening with publishing. It's how do we figure out these sustainable models where, you know, to where maybe it's not, you need to build a hundred million, you know, dollar media company. Maybe it's you need to build a company that can pay its bills and be, you know, be somewhat profitable and serve the niche audience that that it serves. That that's an interesting take. I mean, um, I do expect more MAs to happen. Yeah. Right. We will see more dot dash slash Meredith type companies happen, right? We're seeing that in CTV already. Um, yeah, you know, you know this well. Um, and I think it's interesting. We had um, Jay Friedman from Goodway Group, uh, CEO of Goodway Group, as a keynote at our event last week in New Orleans. Yeah, by the way, how was Pub Forum? Pub Forum was, I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome. It was like one of the first ones for a while that I felt like really everything just gelled, gelled. Right. Um, it's been a while. Um, and, but what Friedman talked about, he was like, publishers need to stop thinking of themselves just as publishers. It was interesting. He was like, where's your influencer play? Where is your audio play? Where's your video play? Where is your, it was influencer, audio, video. He was even like, where's your social play, right? Um, but I feel like there was one more thing. Events? Maybe. Oh, <laughs> retail media he talked about too. Cause that's, but I think that's cause that's his thing. You know what I mean? I think it's that's cause that's Not every thing. publisher has a retail media play. I mean, I'm thinking back to a pub forum when I think it was golf.com was there and they talked about how they launched their sort of shopping unit, their shopping division, but they talked about how much R and D and investment it took to launch that shopping unit. So, but, but I feel you, but please continue. Right. No. Cause yeah, shopping doesn't make sense for everyone. Right. But that's the thing. It's kind of like you talked about blogging before. It's kind of like back in the early blogging days where publishers were like, we're not embracing this. It's not journalism, right? And then how many editors left publications to go start their own blogs or, you know, now their own newsletters, right? Their sub stacks or what have you. Um, I don't know. I think, I think although some of these systems are not set up, maybe something like you're saying what we're doing, plug, plug for us, um, Make sure you hit subscribe, guys. Subscribe, <laughs> right. on, subscribe on Substack so you like, can get some coins. And right. like, <laughs> like they're just like, you know, and I hate to say Uber, uh, Uber, uh, whatever was the model. For, sorry, didn't mean to do all of that. I wow. forgot. It's my kid. Um, Uber was the model for, um, you know, the, the, what did we call them? The, What's the economy called? The gig, the gig. economy? 
Thank you. The gig economy, God, I'm I'm forgetting things lately. It's like there needs there's going to be a new economy that evolves around independent creators. Is it not the creator economy? It is, but right now the creator economy is still acting like the web 2.0 economy. Oh, you know what? I feel like that's a drop the mic because we're at 30 minutes and go to your next session. Let's discuss this. The creator economy is acting like the, what? Did you say the web 2.0 economy? Yes, I did. And I'm sorry, I have something trying to ring here. Talk to you, um, talk to you again soon. Bye. <laughs> Wait, let me stop recording. I'm sorry.